Good morning, church. I'm very excited and honored to speak with you. For you of you who don't know me, my name is Michelle. I'm married to Pastor Nate, who is our lead pastor of Restoration Church. Um, we have four kids, and we've been married for almost 12 years, and we still like each other, and we still date, and we, we had a date last night with Jeremy and Haley, um, who... Uh, Jeremy is our uh, like worship leader or head worship leader. It's not his real title, but I forget it. Um, and they're fun. We had fun. We laughed. And so that's good. So if you're married, date. Dates are important. But that's not what we're talking about today. Um, I'll give you a little bit of my background just so you, I don't know, you believe what I say. Um, I have been in school learning about, I guess, mental health. Um, I go to school for, I'm getting my master's in social work, my undergrads in psychology, and I have been learning about brain health and working in the field for over seven years. It might even be eight. I'm losing track. Um, I currently work pe with people who have substance use disorder um, right here in Dover, and um, I love it. I love everything about it. I love... Um, I love when people, I, I don't love when people come in broken, but I love when they come in broken and we're able to help them and we're able to encourage them. We're able to find out that one thing that God placed in them without them knowing that makes them tick. And I love, um, I love that part of my job and watching them become the people that God created them to be, even if they don't know God yet. Uh, it's all a journey for them. Um, so anyways, this Friday, because I am working in the field and I'm in school, we have to go to a lot of trainings. And for the most part, they land on Friday, which I don't like because I like to, Nate has a day off. I like to be home. Um, but I went to this training this past Friday and it was phenomenal. And it made me actually rework my entire sermon um, on Friday evening because I really felt like it was timely. Like God had me learn that so I could share it with you and that you guys could find freedom um, from the mental hell that you're living in. So we talked about this thing called ACEs. Um, and ACEs it stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences. And we all have them unless you had a perfect childhood and you've never had anything go wrong in your entire life. Um, you would fall somewhere on this scale called ACEs. And um, we have a chart I'll show you. Um, there's so many different, like, categories for ACEs. Um, the first one, the largest one, is household dysfunction. And if you go down, those are just some things, like maybe you grew up with someone in your house that had mental illness, or um, you, your mother maybe was abused, or you lived with someone who had criminal behavior, criminal activity. And then it goes on to abuse, and you can see they had scaled 17,000 people. And statistically, these numbers are really high. That's a lot of people who grew up in a home that had substance abuse in it. Um, or they had um, physical abuse at 28%. And so that's a high number. That's a lot of people. And, um, or they had neglect. So they get, for the ACEs, we give people a test. And it's 10 questions. It's really simple. You probably could take it at, online at this point. Um, I paid thousands of dollars to take it, but no big deal. Um, the, so you take this test and it asks you questions like, did you grow up with someone who, did you grow up with someone with substance use in your life? If you say yes, that's one point. Did, were you ever abused or did you feel like you were going to get hit throughout your life? If you say yes, that's another point. 
And if you say zero, it's zero points. So on this scale, you can get anywhere from zero to 10. It, the higher that you, they, they found, they've studied this, they started in 1990, I believe. They studied it for 30 years, and they began to realize that people who had four or more yeses out of the 10 questions had a higher rate of um, certain disorders or, you know, um, unhealth in their body. And those, those, there was a whole list, but a few of them were depression, anxiety, mental health problems, um, physical problems, obesity, and uh, struggled with substance use disorder. They, you know, abused drugs. And um, so I, I took this test because, I mean, I bet a lot of you are like, oh, geez, I wonder what my score is. Like, what did I get? Um, and I did. And so my, you can get anywhere from 0 to 10. And my A score was a 6. And I'm sitting in the training. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Why am I in this field? Like, what am I doing? And the guy sitting next to me happened to be, like, he's kind of like my therapist for school. And I, like, look at him, and I'm like, we have a lot of work to do. Um, but so my score was a 6. And then, you know, as I get thinking, I'm like, well, you know, I don't really struggle a huge amount with mental health problems. I mean, I've had depression, I've had anxiety before, and, you know, I've worked those out. And I thought, how did I score a six, but yet I don't have these issues, or I don't have these struggles in my daily life? And it, I came to the conclusion that it was a two-part purpose. One, I have a fabulous mother who loves me and cares about me deeply. And two, that fabulous mother brought someone even more amazing into my life, and we call him Jesus. And so even though I have a high A score, because zero is nothing, 10 is extremely high, and so a six is higher than four, and um, four is you have a high rate of, you know, mental health issues. Um, so... I, I got to thinking, and I'm sitting there, and I thought, you know what? It doesn't matter that I have a six, because Jesus can do anything, and he can heal someone's mind who has a score of a 10, and he can heal someone's mind who has a score of a zero, but still struggles with these issues. Because Jesus has the power to heal the minds that he's created. And so today... As we talk about this and these heavy things, and maybe you're thinking, like, what, what's my score? Or I wonder why I'm struggling with these mental health issues. I wonder why I have depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, bipolar. And I wonder why these are a part of my life. But today I don't want to ask you a question that probably everybody has asked you in your life. And that question is, what's wrong with you? Don't want to ask you that today. But today I want to ask you a better question. I want to ask you what has happened to you? What are the things in your life that you struggle with that you think about over and over again? Which brings me to my next point. Pastor Nate asked me to, or Nate asked me to speak. I don't call him Pastor Nate at home. Just have it. <laughs> Promise. Um, and I don't call him Nate often either. Um, so 
he asked me to talk about mental health. And I was excited. I love mental health. I love brain health. I love helping people who are struggling to find their purpose in this world. And I love believing in people. So, of course, I'm like, sure, I will. What do you want me to say? Um, and so I began to think about what is mental health? What is that? And after this training, I'm like, I know what mental hell is. Mental hell to me, and it can be something different for you, but to me, mental hell is thinking about those experiences from the ACE test that I just talked about, thinking about those experiences over and over and over again. Those things that happen to you, and you just constantly think about them. Mental hell is also maybe that diagnosis that the doctor gave you. That you're going to have this illness for the rest of your life and you won't ever be able to do X, Y, and Z. And that's mental hell. Thinking about these things over and over again. And our brains are so powerful. When they're thinking and thinking, they begin to dictate the places we walk, the things we do, the thoughts we have, and the words we say. And that, to me, is mental hell. So for me... I, my dad was an alcoholic. He was very absent. And he said and did things to me that replay in my mind over and over and over again. And sometimes even dictated the steps that I took and the things that I believed in myself about. So the one thing at this training that I found interesting, because every time I go to a training, a doctor puts it on, and he tells us his findings, what he found, and then he's like, and here's my solution, and then you got to buy his book so that you can, like, do his solution, and he didn't really have a solution. He said, we know this problem. We know that when you have a high A score, and you score anywhere from above four or higher, you have a higher rate of struggling for mental health, and we know that if people have positive experiences, then that kind of heals the brain. Because these ACE scores are changing your mind chemically, essentially. And so he didn't have the answer. And I sat there and I was like, dude, I've got the answer. Like, I know the answer. Like, I'm not even a doctor yet. You've been in the field working. He works in Seattle. And he's been in the field for, I don't know, 40 years or something. And the poor guy didn't know. Um... <laughs> But I fully believe that God has given us the cure. And I fully believe that if we look in his scriptures, we will be able to find a place of peace in our life. And we'll be able to figure out what God's called us to. And that those ideas and those thoughts that are running in your mind aren't always going to run in your mind. So if you guys will um, turn to your Bibles, to 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5. And I think this scripture sums it up perfectly um, to how we begin fighting this battle, this battle in our mind of what we think we are, who we think we are, what people said we are, what doctors said we can and cannot do. And I, in, in this passage, um, it was written by this man named Paul, and he wrote it to the church of Corinth because they were kind of having this, like, these thoughts, this, like, their own mental hell, I guess, where they, um, they weren't sure, like, they, 
they weren't sure that they believed everything that Paul was teaching. Like, they were speaking against him, and God had placed him there to help them, to, to live the life that God called them to, but yet they had all these thoughts that was, they were warring against, and Paul was writing to them to tell them to essentially stop having these thoughts. And so 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5 reads, We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. And in the NIV, um, it says, the, where it says um, we capture their rebellious thoughts, in NIV it says we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And that Greek word captive means bring under control or, or subdue. So when we're having these thoughts, we're having these false thoughts in our minds, um, the, the Bible says to take those captive, to, to take them under control. And so I want to talk to you today about maybe what, the, what we do and the people of Corinth did and how we take those thoughts under control. So the people of Corinth, um, they fought with manipulation. They fought with the image of success. They fought with smooth words. They fought with perception of power, lording over authority, and they fought with politics. And when I read this with Nate, I said to him, that's weird. It sounds like Facebook. <laughs> like, that's exactly what Facebook is. And I think that, that it, the Bible didn't list everything that they fought with. Um, and I think that we fight with other things. I think that we've probably gotten more sophisticated and found new ways. Um, we found Facebook. Um, we found substances. We use the substances to quiet the thoughts in our minds that we can't handle. And maybe that's drinking every night, or maybe that's um, doing drugs, or something that quiets those thoughts that are so out of control. We punish ourselves. Um, we live in internal torment, and those are the weapons that we fight against. And that's how we try to quiet the thoughts in our minds. But just like the scripture says, we can't fight with worldly weapons. We can't use substances. We can't use Facebook and hide behind it. We can't use smooth words or authority or perception of power. But we have to use weapons that are spiritual. We have to use the weapons that God gives us. And um, Nate talked last week about weapons that we could use, which was worship, uh, the word, and a united church. And I think that's where we need to start. So in the scripture it says to take every thought captive. Um, and taking a thought captive is not an easy thing to do on your own. And I think many of us have tried. And some of us have not succeeded. And so to take everything captive means to bring something under control. To make it to almost make it stop and to say the right thing instead of the wrong thing. So first you have to identify the lie. So what are the lies in your life? Maybe it was something to you, like me, that happened to you as a child or in your young adult years as you grew up. 
Maybe that lie plays over in your head over and over and over again. And sometimes you even tell yourself those things that happen to you are your fault. You live in a state of shame, wondering why um, these things happened, and then blaming yourself for them. So first you identify the lie. And maybe that lie, even though it's true, the doctor said this is the mental illness that you have, but the lie that's stuck to that is that you're never going to amount to anything. And that's not true. So you identify the lie, and then second, you learn the truth. And to find the truth, there is absolutely no substitution for the truth than finding it in God's word. You're not going to find it on Google. You're not going to find it on Facebook or Instagram. You're not going to find it from your best friend at work. You're going to find it in God's word. There's no substitution for that. So in order to know his word, you have to spend time in it. You have to know what it says. You have to know what God says about you, even though the world has said and done so many different things. You need to attend church, so good job. <laughs> you need to join a circle. You need to surround yourself with people who are um, speaking life into you, who are teaching you what God says about you, and um, you need to allow the Holy Spirit to guide you and to speak the truth. It's not going to be an easy thing when for the last 30 years you've believed a lie over and over and over and over again. And so then you need to replace that lie with scripture. Um, so I'm going, I want you to listen to these or write them down and I want you to begin today to understand what God's word says about you. So we're going to, you know the lie, we're going to learn the truth, now you need to replace those two things. And I assure you, it will be difficult, but over time it gets easier and easier and easier, and God's thoughts become your thoughts. So some of them are, the Bible says about you, and this is just a short list, is you are loved. You are a child of God. You are a friend of Jesus. You are no longer a slave but a child and an heir. You have been set free in Christ. You are chosen, holy, blameless before God. You are redeemed and forgiven by the grace of Christ. You are God's workmanship, a special piece of art. You are a citizen of heaven. You have been made complete in Christ. And my favorite every single time, God loves you and has chosen you. So once you know the lie, the truth, and you, you um, replace them, you have to pray. And praying isn't, there's, there's no recipe for it. It's just talking. And, you know, sometimes I talk to God and I, and I tell him, like, okay, this is what I'm, like, experiencing. I don't know. I need, I need to not feel so anxious, but I don't know how to not feel anxious. I don't know how to be able to walk to my car at night and not fear, feel fear. I don't know how to help people when for so long in my life I was told that I wasn't intelligent. I don't know how to help. And I pray and I ask and God speaks to me and I read his word and, and he tells me that I've chosen you 
Michelle. I have chosen you to help people in the mental health field because they need to know that I am the answer, that I am the one that's going to heal the neurons and the synapses in their brain, that I'm going to touch them, and that I'm going to give them freedom. And so once you've done those four things, um, I want to encourage you to continue to be around people, to continue to fight that battle, and to continue to let people in the church and the people that love you fight it with you. That those lies, that, that mental hell that goes in your mind over and over again, that you would conquer it. And you know what is the greatest thing ever? Is I know that you'll conquer this. I know that you'll do the things that God's called you to do if you identify the lie you find the truth and you replace them, I know that you'll have peace in your mind. And once you do, I want to encourage you to not add to people's aces, those traumas, and other people's lives. And I think that so often we can do that. If you peruse Facebook, you'll see it. Um, saying things like, oh, you're going to go on a diet again? Or you really think you can do that? Did you even pass, this, uh, pass um, any test in college or in high school? Like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't move on to what God's called you to do because you're just not that smart. And sometimes we do it in a joking way, and sometimes we think it's funny. But what we're doing is adding a lie into that person's mind that is going to hold them back from the call that God has for them. So once you've won this battle in your own mind, help someone else win the battle in their mind. So like this morning, I've won the battle in my mind. The things that my dad has said and done to me and the things that people have done to me no longer have authority in my life because I replaced it with the truth, with God's truth and what he said about me, and now I'm able to live the call that God has on my life because I don't let those lies conquer me anymore. And you can do that too. And once you do, once you get to the other side, because you will, because I know that God will heal you, help someone else. Encourage someone else. Love your children the way you needed and wanted to be loved. Try not to scream. Try not to speak hate into their life even when you're frustrated. Speak life into other people and encourage them and love them everywhere you, everywhere you go. And that is our responsibility as Christians and when we get to the other side of this fight. So today, we're going to have um, the prayer team up here. And if this morning you're saying to me, I want to fight this battle. I want to overcome these thoughts. I don't want to live in this mental hell anymore. I want to experience the freedom that God has for me. Then I want you to come up here and they're going to pray with you. They're going to battle with you and they're going to encourage you. So we're going to pray and then the worship team is going to be up here and they're going to lead us in worship. But I just want you to know that this battle won't always be easy but it will always be worth it. God, I thank you so much that you've helped me conquer the battle. And God, I thank you that 
You've put me in the places that I am where I can help people and love people and encourage them and see your fullness of life form into their lives. God, I pray that as we sit in our seats and maybe we battle and we say, oh, this can't be the answer. This seems too simple. God, I pray that you would help people to have the courage to begin to battle the lies that Satan's put in their mind. God, that they're not good enough, that then they're going to be able to do the things you call them to do because of their brain health, God. But that you will heal even the innermost part of their brain that you will help them overcome, that you will help them, God. God, we thank you for all the things that you've given us, God, with, that help us on a daily basis. God, we thank you for the medication that so many of us need. But God, we pray that we take along with the medication your healing, God, that we use both, God, so that we can reach just one more in our community, so we can see just one more come to know you and the fullness of who you are. God, we thank you for today, and we pray, God, that you come alongside of us, help us fight this battle, and help us conquer this mental hell that's taken over our lives for far too long. God, replace it with your truth and continue to inspire us and grow us. In your name we pray, amen.